Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening. I'm William Hosea. Welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 13th year. It's Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Good evening. I'm Leela Randall. Also on today's broadcast, you'll hear from Damon and Rosalind Morris-Bethel, AME's new pastor and first lady. But first, we are most pleased to be joined by an inspiring couple, Marquell and Beverly Redmond. Many may remember that the former Ms. Beverly Smith was a longtime co-anchor on Bring It On. She also worked as Director of Diversity, School, and Community Services within the Monroe County Community School Corporation. Bev is joined by her husband and author, Mark. <coughs> they have brought their award-winning book, Revelations of a Real Man or Woman, to the Bloomington area to celebrate Black History Month. This evening, they are going to share with us how they are promoting their miraculous story of faith, fidelity, and family. Revelations takes readers on a short yet powerful journey through Mark's life as he navigates challenges, including the loss of his parents, divorce, fatherhood, amputation, and finding love again. Some decisions empowered his life while others left him stagnant. But through it all, Mark knows firsthand that rebounding is possible when you faithfully choose to address your shortcomings. Mark and Bev, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome, thank welcome, you. Welcome. Thank you, thank it's you, thank you. It's great to be back in the studio. I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the other side, the of, the other table, side of the table. the other side of the table. It's really different. First time, huh? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Mark, uh, talking about uh, your book. Yes, um, sir. Is this primarily a religious-based book or just a man whose experiences reinforces his religion? I would say it's a, a mishmash of the two. It's a religious-based book, but done with a real-life commonality to it. Um, it's not just for those who believe. It's for those who want to believe. So it, it covers a, a multitude of, of genres. So how, how did you get started? Did, did, now, knowing Bev, I would guess she pushed you. And you are absolutely correct. <laughs> what? Actually, I started my journey towards authorship uh, at Bev's request. I had uh, just recently undergone a surgery where I had most of my foot amputated, and I was not in a very good place. And I was just being just a, a malcontent, uh, a total grouch. And Beverly said, well, you know what? You need to find something to help you through this. Why don't you just start writing what's just going on with you? So I started writing, and at first I did it begrudgingly just to appease Beverly. We were dating at the time, so I wanted to still put my best person out there. And after a while, God started moving the pen, and then words became sentences, sentences became paragraphs, paragraphs morphed into pages, and pages became chapters. So I will have to say that it it was all because of Bev. Thank you. Wow, I, I was gonna ask Bev what was her contribution to the book, but that, that just covered well, it, huh? You know, behind every man there is a phenomenal woman. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about your story so our audience can understand what has happened in your life? Well, I am a uh, product of the south side of Chicago, born and raised, and uh, <clears throat> I came from very good stock. My parents, Betty and Eugene Redmond, raised us in a Christian household, me and my three sisters. And um, Growing up, I did the usual knuckleheaded things that most young men did growing up in the 70s. And I say as I got older, I began to stray from some of the things that I knew that my parents would not approve of. And it, and it led to making some unhealthy choices in my life. And uh, it led me to the point where 
I, I went through a divorce, um, although me and my ex-wife are, are co-parenting wonderfully. Um, just just those changes and, and just, just a multitude of things. And I think the culminating uh, act for writing the book was the amputation. And I think that was God's wake-up call to me and say, hey, you need to get yourself together. Okay. This is not what I have in store for you. Okay, what was amputated and why? Uh, actually, about, I would say maybe 2009, 2010, I've, been a, I've always been an avid basketball player, and I had uh, fractured my foot, and it just wasn't healing right. So I went to the doctor after putting it off, as men normally do. When we think something's wrong, we kind of, you know, we want to put a Band-Aid on it and kind of wish it away. Mm-hmm. I went to the doctor, and this wasn't healing right. doctor tells me, well, your foot is infected because you have diabetes. That contributed to the slow healing. So that just led to a, a snowball effect with problems with my foot till it got to the point where I had to get it amputated. Is that when you discovered you had diabetes, or had you known all uh, I knew time. because of my, my family history that I, okay. I was borderline, but I I was always in pretty good shape. So I thought I could stave it off as long as possible. But that's when things really started to just go downhill Yeah, because of my foot. So you uh, kind of experienced uh, things that many people, maybe most people go through, the loss of parents, uh, divorce, fatherhood, mm-hmm. save amputation, but you felt the need to write about all of it. So do you think that you can, uh, in your book, do you attempt to offer people a new perspective on how to cope with it? I will say that um, being an amputee, there was, that. I mean, I was at a low point. I can't even tell you how many times I, I've tripped and fallen or needed assistance to take a shower or I couldn't drive for a long time and and then came the ridicule and, and the looks that I got because I needed a mobility device to get around so it was just a very demoralizing point but then it became a humbling experience because I know that I'm from a good stock and I know that I'm a fighter and I can I can persevere this. So I began to start doing things and, and, and making proactive moves, not not just with my foot, but with other aspects of my health. And um, that that really started changing things. See, I, I would never, I, I would not have, I couldn't look at you and know that it was that difficult because you swaggered in here pretty smooth, you know. Oh, I, I, it, it, I have my swagger moments, but it's a, it's a little bit of a, a challenge every now and then. Beverly always has to tell me, watch what you're doing, put your feet up, this, that, and other. So I, I try to maintain, but it, 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 it's difficult. And even now I have ongoing challenges. Uh-huh. I will always be in a, a, a specialized shoe, and I will always have – periodic visits where I have to go see my podiatrist. So this is n- this is not the end. This will be an ongoing thing for the entirety of my life. So, Marquella, it seems that writing your book was literally an act of faith. Absolutely. And so what was revealed to you through that writing of Revelations? I am a fighter. I am a fighter. And I've always talked a good game, but now I put talk to action. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I realize I can do this. And one of my goals is maybe uh, somewhere down the line to participate in possibly Paralympic games. Mm. So it's not just going to stop with just walking. Right. I'm going to try to, you know, transcend this a little further. Wow, and inspire somebody else. Right. Beverly, you've been on this journey. Yes. You want to tell us when it began and um, what has your experience been? 
Uh, Mark and I met, I want to say we <laughs> met in fall of 2014. And when we started dating, I would say that it wasn't necessarily that, that he came out and told me what was going on. But I would like to say there was some revelation going on mm. for me at the same time, okay. just watching him. So when he did sit down and tell me and said, hey, this is going on in my life, and do you think you're up for the ride? I kept it a secret from her for a while, a, a, a long while, time. A good while. But um, his wife is smarter <laughs> sometimes than he might speak. Uh, his now wife is smarter. But I, uh, I was sitting there looking and thinking, and I have preached diversity my entire life. If you've known me, if you've mm -hmm. been around me, yeah. part of my former title had diversity in it. So I worked on those things. I have okay. a sister who's a diabetic. My dad is a diabetic. It was on set for him in his senior years, but through health and exercise, he was able to stave it off too right. until that final moment. I knew those things. So to say that I would not date or would not consider love if it came in a different package, I wasn't prepared to walk away at that point and I would say that was my revelation mm -hmm. out of it mm -hmm. that you're on board kiddo for the journey right. this particular person loves you and also needs you and being a partner with him it has been my pleasure absolutely my pleasure so um, getting to the book itself has been a labor of love being able to transition, I'm still a, a PR professional, but being able to use my skills on this side of things mm -hmm. has been something right. real. It's been a fun journey, yeah. and I look forward to where it's going to take us, and hopefully we'll get to a second book, and we'll come back and talk about that, too. Okay. And you have teenage children, yes. correct? So, for Bev, what was it like going from being single with no children to being a step-parent with two almost adults. You know, for Noel and Kelsey, <clears throat> who will listen to this at some point, hello. <laughs> and I hope, hope everything is going okay for you and can't wait to get back home to you. I don't know that I really took a huge amount of stock about what it was like to blend a family. What I do remember is that my parents both, as growing up, they were from blended families step-parents, and we just kind of all melded. So I really didn't think it was impossible. I knew it was possible. But what I will say, it takes an incredible amount of patience just to wait it out until the kids are ready, mm -hmm. to keep going back and forth at it. And it, I, I've been blessed. My journey has been relatively smooth. But to say that they may have, they have had questions, they have had thoughts, they have you know, needed that patience for me just to be Bev in their life. I've always said, I don't want to take your mom's place. Mm -hmm. Both women are incredibly wonderful women. Couldn't compete with that. But no two things, that I love your dad and I love you. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to grow since that time. And it just takes time feeding in that space that you are there. You're not going anywhere. Who is this woman who's appeared after 45 years of my, <laughs> my dad's life? Who are you? <laughs> I, I'm here for him and I'm here for you. So you as a couple, do you both, is there a passage that you would share with our listeners that really speaks to either a passage that you love both of you the most or really speaks to what you've just been sharing with us, Bev? Well, I know Beverly has one, and that deals with the whole blended family. I have another one dealing mm -hmm. with Dennis Rodman, believe it or not. Ah. <laughs> uh, Dennis Rodman? Um, Dennis, really? Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Rodman. Dennis Rodman. So Listen, you're, you're, so you're Kim Jong's friend, too? <laughs> By way of Dennis Rodman. <laughs> okay, let, let's hear it. Let's you want to do the Dennis Rodman piece? You want to read yeah, Dennis Rodman? Okay, we're talking Dennis about Rodman Dennis. Let's, okay. let's okay. talk about Dennis. One of my favorite basketball players is Dennis Rodman. Slight in build and stature for a power forward. What Dennis lacked physically, he more than made up for it with a fierce tenacity and a playing style to utilize speed and leverage. Routinely outmatched by players larger and more talented than him, he led the NBA in rebounding for a record seven consecutive years. He inspired teammates and fans alike by diving for loose balls, often landing in the stands. He did what others weren't willing to do. He got dirty for the cause of winning. God puts us all in perfect positioning for rebounding and recovering the promises of salvation. 
Opportunity after opportunity is granted by God for redemption in our lives. Are you willing, like Dennis, to battle opposition and strife that is much stronger and bigger than you? Do you possess the wherewithal to get dirty for God's cause? What are you trying to reclaim in your life? Is it forgiveness for a wrong committed by you? Might it be the pain of a broken commitment? Or is it the sting of a failed business venture? Whatever you have lost, God wants you to go into the paint with the giants, box out, grab, and take back what you missed, and then some. Wow. You know, it, wow. It's, I think it's amazing that you have that kind of uh, insight to Dennis Rodman. Because even though I was a fierce Bulls fan, all I remember is the wedding dress. <laughs> you know, I think his, dress, I think his antics kind of overshadow how great a player that he was. Mm -hmm. But if you would listen to some of the, the, the sports um, mm -hmm. newscasters, they would always say, he's this, he's that. You know, they tried mm -hmm. to actually accentuate his positive, but the antics in the public were just a little interesting. Kind of like somebody else we know on the political scene huh <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know if there's any substance under there <laughs> or or anything else he no, doesn't look too much no comment. like a good beverly what's either. what is your um passage my passage okay i'm just going to give a paragraph or so about it having begun my journey as a mother figure almost three years ago when I started dating my mark, I approached my kids, Noel at 16 and Kelsey at 18, as a partner. Together, Mark and I, in conjunction with Sabrina, Kelsey's mother, and Victoria, no Noel's mother, co-parent our children. My role is not that of disciplinarian or provider. Instead, I discovered there is room in a blended family for a great listener, an advocate, an encourager, advisor and a respected friend. My role as co-parent is not to usurp the authority of the children's biological mothers. These ladies are amazing. I would never be so presumptuous to think I could do a better job of raising their children than themselves. It, it, it has been important to me that Noel and Kelsey clearly understand two things. I love their father and I want nothing but the best for them. I love them unconditionally and they can trust that love. So what, was that enough for the children once they came to that realization about how about your uh, dedication and devotion to their father, or or my son Kelsey, eighteen, nineteen year old boy, he's like, uh, okay, whatever. As long as you're cool, I'm cool. My daughter took a minute. It took a minute because I, I, teenage girls, she, it just took a minute. They're going through their own stuff. Mm -hmm. so. I was trying to say, I got five of them, so I feel your pain. Right. So <laughs> it, it took her a minute, but now, as I said before, Beverly is the the shiny new toy. So when yeah. we get together as a family, it's I'm going to go with Bev. Dad, you do your thing. So. Can Beverly come get us? Right. <laughs> but there's always, I need my dad time also. Right. I think the big compliment paid to me, our, our Noel has sickle cell. And we can talk about that at some other at some other point in time, but she went through a crisis, and we were at the hospital. I had come in, done some things, and it was all of us in there together. And she made a comment after I left and went home to her dad. She said, "You know, I love Beverly," oh. and that like who that mm -hmm. takes my breath away. And then she said, I think I almost love her more than you do, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but it, it, it's, it, that, that was a real full circle moment that I knew we had really transcended. Do you feel that the, the process of you writing the book as a man and then the process of you writing a book as a couple, do you feel that the children were kind of part of that process in some ways, even if they weren't writing down stories or sitting there with you, but that it, it, it became, it became a. F well, you know, one of the, the, the uh, main points in the book was my relationship with my son mm -hmm. and it was not always on the best of terms. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that I'm a teacher by profession. I can't be a mentor to other students and not be a mentor I see. to my own son. So I, I talk about that and the relationship and how the relationship has developed into where it is today. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they indirectly had a big part. I could okay. not have 
finish the book right. without touching on on my my son's relationship and my daughter's relationship. Mm-hmm. So they they had a tremendous part. Mm-hmm. But you know, with teenagers, nothing impresses them. Right. Oh, you wrote a book, okay? Does it have pictures? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what did you say? Right. <laughs> What's in there about us? Uh, I think for me, the big thing that Revelations of a Real Man or Woman brings for the kids Mm -hmm. is that they're their dad's legacy. Mm -hmm. They have his strength. They have his tenacity. They have his drive, his vision, and that he didn't give up for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that he's here. And no matter what's going on in their world, they can make it too. Um, That diabetes gene, it it still lives and we still have to be precautious for them. Mm -hmm. So this is their legacy that they can make it. They're equally as strong, and this is what their dad went through just to be around for them. As a couple, you guys yeah. seem just really great, and I'm sure Thank it's coming you. across to the audience. Mm-hmm. But Love tell them. us how it is to work with your husband on projects and you know, together on endeavors such as this. Well, we, we, we argued just a second ago about a parking spot, whether we're going to park across the street or in front of the studio. Let me so. tell you. <laughs> we're both very strong-willed people mm-hmm. and both uh, come from a professional background, both in front of people all the time. He knows he's right. I know I'm right. So somewhere we got to figure out who's go- whose idea is going to win. Sometimes. But I, I think the... the, the the good thing about working together with the book, um, vo- Beverly's vocabulary is just yeah. off the charts. <laughs> so she said some words that I just, I had to go to a, a, a dictionary. <laughs> she did it to me out in the lobby. <laughs> right. Uh, she does it to me all the time. So I have to. Did I do that? I have to go back and, and, and yep. look. And it, it brought us kind of close because when I needed a word, I went to my walking the source right here <laughs> to, to figure it out. And she was like, no, use this or use that. And so I, I have gained a lot of, I, I, I'm married to the smartest woman in the world. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, uh, Thank you. It is. It is a <laughs> Valentine's Day. I, I have something special early. to say. Uh-huh. Uh, we at Bring It On are proud to have played a facilitating role in the union of uh, Mark and Bev. <laughs> Because you guys, you know, you just, you look great together, you work great together. But uh, I want to ask you a question about, let's talk about the title of the book, Mm -hmm. Revelations of a Real Man or Woman. And you're talking about the choices of a son, brother, father, and husband. So other than what Bev contributed to the book, Mm -hmm. what can women take away from that part of the conversation? Well, you know what? It's interchangeable. The same uh, afflictions and conflicts that I ran into, women uh, deal with all the time. They deal with divorce. They deal with blended families. Um, Diabetes is something that afflicts African-American women just as as, as vehemently as as African-American men. Mm -hmm. So the the title could have easily been Revelations of a Real Woman or Man. So it's, it's... pretty much interchangeable. I would also add to that, dear, that Revelations, we're wives, we're mothers, we're sisters, and I can't tell you how many times, whether we're in church or we're somewhere else, I need this book for my son. I need this book for someone else. So it's for women too, whether you want to take the lessons and apply them for you, Mm -hmm. or whether you have someone that you want to read it with, Mm -hmm. give it to, Mm -hmm. it's for us too. What do men go through? What are some of the struggles, particularly because we're on Bring It On and we're talking about African-American issues? What is it like to have that pride of um, afraid of going to the doctor? What are the risks if you don't? What are those things? There's some real truths in here that maybe you can't say or you're tired of saying over and over to your loved one, but this book can get to them and maybe jog their that stick to itiveness and say, hey, get on out there. Go, go do something for yourself. So you were uh, telling us about a pretty ambitious book tour that you have scheduled. So what I'm wondering what it was like getting things started and and where are you now? Well, we self-published and uh, we went through a company called Christian Faith Publishing. And it was a very labor intensive, expensive um, (laughs) 
venture. Um, but one of the things that I'm I'm totally blessed to have is a partner who has the knowledge of how to uh, do things as far as in the public relations realm and communication. So she gave me the template as far as what do I need to do for a book signing and do this and not to do this. So I um we started with our, our first book signing in December and we have one actually we have one here in Bloomington on the twenty third of February mm-hmm. at Griffin Realty. I think the address is seven thirty five South, South College. College. College Avenue mm-hmm. um, here in Bloomington, and that will be from 6 to 9 p.m. It's an open house. We want you to come by. We have uh, books, and we just don't do books. We have the total, we are total production. We are revelations of a real man or woman production. We have T-shirts. We have pins. We have refreshments. So we give you a total experience. Yeah. A total experience. And um, so the book will be on sale. Yes. Yes. It is on sale. uh, If you're headed to the book signing with us, $20 gets the entire package for you. And for any reason that you're listening to this after book signing or you just cannot be there, we are available, Barnes & Noble, online, Amazon, Spring Arbor, all of that. Do you have a website? Uh, Facebook, dear. Yes. Yeah, Facebook. Facebook. Okay, so you're on social media. Mm -hmm. Facebook is the new website. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Is there an audio version? Not yet. No, there is a a e-book version, Mm -hmm. uh, but not an audio yet. We're trying to narrow down who we're going to have to. Beverly. To narrate, you know. To narrate, I think it will be Beverly. (laughs) Well, Will, you have you you have an outstanding speaking voice, so you might be in consideration also. Uh, I, I you might could be. Co-narrate. Right? Yeah. 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 could do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because someone like me, mm-hmm. with you know, I have issues with my vision, so I'm always looking for an audio version. Okay. Absolutely. A That's book. a good point. Very good point. So where where's uh, the next stop on the book tour? Well, after and, we and tell us about the rest of the tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. After we leave here on the 23rd, mm-hmm. we're going back to Chicago. We have a panel that we're sitting on at Truman College in the city. And then we're at the Chicago Public Library, the Wrightwood Auburn Ashburn branch on the 28th. And and you've had a couple of uh, events in Chicago already, right? Yes. Yes. So how did those work out? Books do not sell themselves, so you have to get out there and 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 I feel I feel like a politician. You have to shake hands and kiss babies and and, and just you have to really put yourself out there. You really do. Uh, as much as uh, people love you and know about you, you do have to sell mm-hmm. your book even to those who do know you. Right. Why should right. I expend money on this? Why should I do that? So you really do have to pay attention even to the folks that you know. And they the like biggest mistake yeah. I made was trying to push myself by myself. And then I realized I have the greatest resource under the same roof. So I said, well, you know what? From now on, any speaking engagements I have to do, I need you. Because you can bring a a, a, a level of, of, what's the word I'm looking for? She'll find it. Right. She'll find it. Gravitas. There you go. <laughs> right. I told you, she's the That's shiny me. new toy in That's Chicago. She does. Right. Um, so I, 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 I am going to take Beverly wherever I go, wh- whatever book stops I have. So this is not just my right hand. This is my rib. Oh. I think that's so that is very, very flattering. But I do think that the piece that people really respond to is when we start talking about our family and our relationship. And then you're able to talk about other things along with that. So uh, it's a tag team effort. Absolutely. Did any of the uh, other family members contribute to the book? Like the extended family. Well, I make mention of my sisters. Uh, I have some aunts and uncles that were outstanding, uh, an outstanding help to me when I was going through my convalescent period that that brought by food and, and, and helped me. My Aunt Sonora and Aunt Grace and mm-hmm. uh, 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 just a multitude of people. I have outstanding neighbors 
who have played a part in my rehabilitation. So it it, it was a community. It was definitely a, a village so you had a really strong support network. Absolutely. That's essential. A lot of people too. don't have that. And mm-hmm. I would say it was rooted with my parents, Betty and Eugene. They they put it all in place. Mm-hmm. So tell us, what is your wish about this book? Where, where do you see it moving forward? And how do you see it fitting in today's culture? Hmm. You want to take that one yeah, first? I'll take okay. It. All right. Um, First of all, I want it to be a bestseller. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's not just getting the word out. It's touching and impacting. And everybody that I've encountered who's read the book said, oh, man, you really went deep and you really exposed some things that I, I thought about. And, and there's a lot of stuff in the book that I, I really go in depth with that I can't talk about on air, but it, it it really moved a lot of people. And to me, that's the hallmark of a good author. If you can touch people, then your work is done. Yes, we don't want to give away too much of the book. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Our bestseller would be wonderful. I would adore that. It's already been an award-winning book. Uh, it has earned the Royal Dragonfly Book Award. So it has been stamped by some other folks out there besides us to say that, yes, this is a good read. This is something that's great for you. But beyond that, I I wanted to empower people to say that change is possible, but change does take work. While this is very much a faith-based book, there is some work that has to go behind your faith to make you go and propel you to the next level. You just won't arrive. But if you do the work incrementally, you certainly will reap that reward. If it's in your health, if it's in your family, there is no sacrifice that will be wasted if you put the time in. So if there's any legacy to the next generations or empowerment, it's that change is possible. You don't have to stay the same. We won't always be all at the same level, Mm -hmm. but you do not have to stay the same. Um, I'd like to mention again that Mark's book signing is Friday, February 23rd, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Griffin Realty, 735 South College Avenue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So after Revelations of a Real Man or Woman, and and, and you mentioned possibly doing a second book. Mm -hmm. We already got the title. That's where I was going. So where would that second book pick up? Finally, I do again. And this will be a journey of second marriage and first marriage for people in their middle years. The spring semester of their life. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I, I will be candid. I did not get married until 45. And what is that like for Mark coming in second marriage? What is that like? So it's our story and really getting into that and then what we've learned in these first couple of years. I don't pretend to be a veteran at marriage at all. You just heard about the the parking meter (laughs) out there. But what does it take? What have we learned? Our lessons, not everybody's truth, but our lessons. I'll be the first person picking up that book. All right. (laughs) Okay, so we have about two minutes left. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is ask each of you, if there's uh, anything that you would say to uh, someone uh, wanting to start the process of writing and selling a book, what what would you tell them? Um, Besides, get Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> find your niche. Find your find your niche. What is going to be your target audience? Uh, I knew I wanted to go the church route. I knew that that was going to be the road that I was going to go down. I knew that that was going to be my target audience. Once you do that, just start writing. Start writing. You need a catalyst to get you going. Mm -hmm. I would say journaling. Start with nuggets first. Write it down. Also, any person that wants to do anything, do your homework. Find out what it takes. Sit with other authors. Ask questions. But even in that, know that your experience is going to be your own. 
find your path, whether you want to self-publish or whether you want to go a different route and have someone pick the book up. Both are very rewarding, but both take you on very different paths. Do your homework. You well, all are delightful. We miss you, but we're so I glad that you come. Yeah. Well, you can't have her back. She's Chicago's <laughs> own now, so. Um, that's about all we have time for. So we want to wish you much success with your book signing and thank with you. your efforts to uh, with the book overall. So our thanks to Marquell and Beverly Redmond for joining us this evening to promote their award-winning book, Revelations of a Real Man or Woman, A Miraculous Story of Faith, Fidelity, and Family. The book is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Spring Arbor, and Kindle Books. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond, even Chicago. The email address, <laughs> once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from Morrison's Appliances and Services at 900 West Kirkwood Avenue. Morrison's, serving Bloomington since 1950. More information online at morrisonsappliancesandservice.com. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit the WFHB News website at WFHB.org news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Leela Randall. I'm William Hosea, and this must be a pre-Valentine's Day couples night here on Bring It On because we are favored again to introduce you to another dynamic couple. At the top of the hour, we shared that we would be speaking with Damon and Rosalind Morris, Bethel's AME new pastor and first lady. Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church is located in downtown Bloomington. Their um, congregation is a diverse group of Bloomington families, professionals, university faculty, staff, and students. They are rich history. 
rich in history, free in worship, and ready to give God all honor, glory, and praise. Reverend Damon Morris was appointed to the pastorate of Bethel AME Church in September of 2017. He is entering his sixth month in his new role. He accepted his call to the ministry under the former pastor, Reverend Dennis LaFoon. As with Reverend LaFoon, Reverend Morris is joined by a wife who is also active in ministry. Pastor and First Lady, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Now we have uh, one of your exciting uh, parishioners here, so uh, I'm going to let her throw out the first question to you guys. As well as baby DJ. <laughs> Say hi, DJ. <laughs> well, welcome, Pastor and Rev. We've all had an opportunity to get to know you down at the, in the house where God dwells, and we wanted to invite you to the show tonight just to kind of give you a platform to be formally introduced and to share what brings you to Bloomington? <laughs> how, do you, how do you find your, uh, your footing in the place where you got your calling? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've, I've pretty much, I've come back to Bloomington not by my own design, but God's design. And so I'm pulling my wife in tow, <laughs> but she's following in, in, my, in my call. And um, and so we've we are not new to Bloomington, but we're new in the role in Bloomington, and so that's that's a new beginning uh, for everyone to get adjusted, especially following behind the footsteps of Pastor Lafoon. Um, but but we we are encouraged to to do something great, and we know God has something great in store. Can you, uh, before we actually get too deep into our conversation, can you tell us some of the history of the AME Church? Yes. Uh, AME started in 1787 in Philadelphia with Richard Allen, and they were part of uh, a congregation there, St. George Church, which they uh, had an issue with worshiping there. They were not that they were denied the the time and space to pray and they had uh, their own special areas where you they mean could, black people black people yes okay. correct <clears throat> had their own special times and places where they could pray and just one moment after two years of living in the life with inside another church of not of their own they were denied the right to worship and pray and so they they took it upon themselves to start the Free African Society um, and to start uh, a new vision, an uh, exodus of their own way, and start a new church. Um, but uh, not, not easily for them, though, but they accomplished it. Um, Richard Allen was, uh, was inferior. He, he, he was uneducated but he, he bought his freedom. And uh, he bought his freedom um, and opened a blacksmith shop and took a small congregation there and helping blacks to get uh, their own freedom. And so the, the start of, of that society encouraged them to start their own denomination. What are some of the um, challenges that, that that was their challenge? What are some of the challenges that you face today in this culture? Uh, some of the challenges that we face today is definitely the, the climate of um, our political system. Um, some of the that affect, you know, us here directly in Monroe County. Um, housing, you know, it affects um, people with jobs, you know, it's even affecting some of the students uh, from the university that attend our church, you know, um, and, you know, where do we and how do we guide people through that kind of climate, you know, and, um, and so it's looking through God's word and helping guiding people through these, through these times. You know, you just uh, touched on something. Mm -hmm. Churches have a rich history of uh, activism. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned uh, some of the issues that are affecting people locally, you know, which has their roots in politics. Mm-hmm. So it, it just makes me wonder how much uh, you're going to be involved outside of the church or with the community. Well, um, I'm involved as 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 much as I can, and um, and if I'm not involved, and let's say one of my members are involved, I'm uh-huh. I'm right there with them, and I'm supporting them, and I'm their cheerleader. <laughs> and uh, it's not only uh, their journey, and because I would I would like to have uh, more people who are you know who are out there for social justice. You know, it's a it's an opportunity for me to see uh, how God works through them, and that how we can all seek common ground and help others understand what love really is. Okay, your your first lady. Um, tell us about that role and what you plan to accomplish in that role. Other than supporting your husband, <laughs> she's first lady of the congregation. She's not, you know. Of course, she's first lady of, but you know. Well, yes, it does come with support. Okay. You do have to be able to support your spouse because being a pastor takes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, takes a lot of responsibility, a lot of ownership. Um, but the role is to help the people in the congregation to see the vision that's being provided through the pastor and to grow them closer to Christ through that. Um, also to help the members to see through a different set of lens. Mm-hmm. Now, you two are a relatively young couple. We are. We are. You're a young pastor, you're a young first lady. Now, Thank you. you're quite welcome so um, as part of the millennial population Uh I think you're right in there right Uh, yeah a little bit bit. (laughs) is there a difference between the the, uh, can I say millennial pastors is there a difference between uh, the younger pastors and the older pastors, pastors who are from the baby boomer generation that may be a little older. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see uh, both your eyes. <laughs> going up, so it, you know, it's got you thinking. The, the, it, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, answer it. I would say um, yes and no, and I say that because sometimes um, – and when you're a younger pastor, you can get a younger generation and reach them and capture them because they feel that you're a little bit more relatable yeah. to them and understanding to some of the tests and trials that they go through. I concur, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we've seen some um, younger pastors can hoop and holler just like the <laughs> just like the older uh, generation. So it's it's just basically how God designs you and how you speak and connect with everyone. You know, I have a way of connecting with certain people in our in our church, and Reverend Rosling has a special connection in a way for others. So it just goes however God designs it uh, when He uses us um, and speaks through us. Okay, you are a relatively new pastor, and um, I believe the other pastor had been here for a long time, so I'm sure there's certain areas in the um, congregation where they were set to a certain way of doing things. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to um, help the transition from being from your your vision and your views to from what was in the um, past? Um, you just don't really change much. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you just allow God to change things in his timing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's things you don't really, um, 
you get hung up on in terms of that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have, um, we have members who are faithful members who are doing the work. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm coming in and I'm supporting everyone who all has a role and, mm-hmm. and it's just still encouraging, still motivating them, still saying t- God is with us. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, and whatever God does next is what he does next. And so we just we just keep it going. Now, you, you were with Pastor LaFoon before he left, right? Correct, correct. So you know how large his shoes are. Yes, I do. Right. So are, are you still in touch with him? Uh, on occasion. I mean, I, I've never lost connection with him. I even yeah. used to uh, connect with him uh, when I had my first church away. And uh, and sometimes we would share uh, what we share with our own personal congregations. Uh-huh. And just to see what God was was saying, and we would just have some similarities in our messaging, and that we would just say, "Wow, God is is really speaking." Now that you mentioned it, you had another church for what two or three years? Yes, in Franklin. Where was that church located? That was in Franklin, Indiana. Small church. Small church. Small church. Okay. Small family church. So, how does uh, the experience in Franklin compare to Bloomington? The experience is uh, just more souls to manage. You know, that and is, is that a good thing? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So you can, you get you get excited uh, to speak life into other lives. Uh, you get excited when faces show up consistently. You get excited on everyone's journey, just like it was your journey. And so, uh, that's that's what the ministry is all about. But if there's just just a few in my congregation, I'm still going to preach like I got 50 <laughs> members, 60 members there on the Easter Sunday. So it's, it's the fire is still the fire. <laughs> the fire is still the fire. <laughs> okay. You sound like a Peebo Bryson song. <laughs> they're last. They know. So they they you know they're not that far off the cuff. Well, you know, I gotta yeah, remember right? that one. <laughs> so we only got a couple of minutes left, but um. I, I know the your church doors are open to everyone. Open right? to everyone. But are you are you actively recruiting young people? I would I would say uh, not directly. I would say indirectly. Young people come in, and we have been finding ways to get young people uh, activated. So one of our our missions right now is trying to develop for children a mime ministry and ministry that would allow kids to dance and express their love to God without words. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we have two more minutes, mm-hmm. and what would you like to leave with our con- congregation? Uh, okay, yeah, now, <laughs> yeah, now, now our uh, listening audience is a congregation, okay? So um, mm-hmm. to our listening audience. Well, um, <clears throat> I want to... So we just came out with our mission and vision statement, and our mission statement was pretty much of how we want families um, to to know who Christ is and um, to be healed and made whole. We see a lot of families and people come in, and you know, and as for myself, that was where I was when I first came into Bethel. I needed some healing, and so that's our mission. And whatever way that we can do that, through whatever spiritual gift people may have or bring with them, we want to welcome that and we want to make them grow in that. Okay, and in the last 10 seconds, just for our listening audience, can you tell us where the church is, what time uh, worship services uh, take place? Yes. Our church is located 302 North Rogers on the corner of 7th Street. Services start at 11 a.m. Bible studies are at 6 p.m. And you can come to our Ash Wednesday service this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Okay. We want to thank Pastor Damon and First Lady Rosalind Morris of Bethel AME's First Couple for joining this evening to acquaint our listeners with them and to share with us their vision for their ministry in the years to come. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you are invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit our news website at WFHB.org news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public, public affairs program dedicated to the African American 
Oh, my goodness. American Community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. time now to bring you the events of interest in the black community. Okay, first, um, tomorrow, um, February 13th, the State of the Black Community. This is located at City Hall in the Council Chambers at 401 North Morton Street in Bloomington, Indiana. It's at 530. This event will feature a coalition of organizations discussing education, economics, and the criminal justice system as they relate to the black community. Refreshments will be served. Thursday, February the 15th at 10 p.m., Beyond the Fields, Slavery at Middleton Place. The story of slavery and its 21st century impact at Middleton Place in Charleston, South Carolina, told through discussions with historians and and descendants. Also on Thursday, February 15th, A Night in Wakanda. So I'm sure everybody is looking forward to going to Wakanda this weekend. Um, It's at the AMC 12 Theater, 2929 West 3rd Street, Bloomington, Indiana, from 7 to 10 p.m., and the cost is $12. Join the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center for an advanced screening of Black Panther and post-film discussion. For more information, contact 812-855-9271 or email nmgrad at indiana.edu. And rounding out the week, February the 16th at 9 p.m., Maya Angelou, American Masters journey through the prolific life of the I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings author and activist who inspired generations with lyrical modern African-American thought. Features new interviews with Oprah Winfrey, Common, the Clintons, and others. Last but not least, on Saturday, February 17th, is Bowling for Babies March of Dimes fundraiser. It's at Classic Bowling Lanes, 1421 North Willis Drive here in Bloomington from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And it's $60 a team for registration. Join Zeta Phi Beta Sorority for its annual Bowling for Babies March of Dimes fundraiser. Register at www.marchforbabies.com. Dot org slash team slash Bloomington Grad Zetas. 
If you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send that info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional info about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, you can contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Our thanks to Mark and Beverly Redmond for joining us for this evening to promote their award-winning book, Revelations of a Real Man or Woman, A Miraculous Story of Faith, Fidelity, and Family. This book is now available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Spring Arbor, and Kindle Books. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone with the help from WFHB News Dire um, Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamel Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, take a breath. I'm Leela Randall. I'm William Hosea. Tune in to Bring It On next Monday, February the 19th at 6 p.m. for an enlightening conversation with representatives from the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.